Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today, small habits, big results. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 74 of the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast. Today, we are talking small habits, big results. We're going to talk all about the habit loop and why habits exist and how they exist. And we're going to get into some ways of changing your habit loop and focusing on small, tiny little changes over longer periods of time for big, huge results. And we're going to talk about what to do in times of chaos when you are trying to plan your strategy for changing whatever it is in your life, whether it be your fitness, your health, your nutrition, your job, your mindset, all the things associated with change. We're going to talk about how to plan. Nicole, I think it's kind of like it's like that expression. You plan and God laughs, mm-hmm. right? You've heard that. Oh, absolutely. So I think you know when it comes to change, oftentimes this happens where you plan, and then it's like this guy. I guess metaphorical God is like, ha ha ha, like yeah, you got a plan. Watch this. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a wrench in it. So, I'm gonna see how well you can handle and trust yourself to get through it. That's what that basically. Yeah. I mean, I listen, listen, I think the chaos associated with your day-to-day life doesn't really fit when it comes to what people are generally thinking of as change, but change is supposed to be difficult and you're supposed to be able to persevere through it regardless of what's going on in your life. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things that I tell people all the time is life doesn't care about your goals, right? Life is not going to stop. Things aren't going to stop happening. You're going to get in a car accident. You're going to do all these things. All these things are going to happen around you while you're trying to focus on your thing. So you can't think about it as this is going to be this perfect process and I'm going to plan it out because at one point or another, there's going to be a wrench thrown in your plan. Yeah. Or wait for things to be better, quote unquote. Wait for the perfect opportunity, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Nicole, I think I want to start before we get into that piece. I want to really talk about the four stages of habit and kind of that habit loop that we go through Mm -hmm. and really just start with why habits exist to begin with. Mm -hmm. So habits are all about your pleasure and reward center, right? It's about seeking things for survival, essentially. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're a caveman, cavewoman walking around, you need to eat to survive. I think that's the perfect example in our context of what we talk about on this show. You need to eat to survive. And let's say you walk by an orange tree, right? You're, you're Nicole, you're cave woman, Nicole, and you walk <laughs> by an orange tree and you smell the scent of orange every time you walk by that tree. Mm-hmm. And that's your cue. And that leads to a craving, which then creates the response of you picking an orange from the tree and eating it. And the reward is that you satisfied your craving to eat that orange. And 
eating an orange, eating, eating an orange becomes associated with, let's say, walking down that path every day. Mm -hmm. You know that the tree is there, right? So now you have this habit loop and this neural network being built in your brain that, okay, well, I've got some kind of a cue that reminds me of an orange and I go for a walk down that path or I walk down that path every single day and I grab an I orange. desire an orange. When you desire the orange, you pick the orange, which is the action and the response, which creates the reward. You get it. You're satisfied. And basically what that does is it teaches your brain that every time you initiate or or experience that cue of that initial smelling the orange, that loop automatically starts to to get rolling and happen. And that's what creates this automatic habit. This automatic habit is every time you smell the orange, that loop begins. And in order to break an old habit, because that becomes so automated, it can be difficult once that loop has those, the cue, the craving, the response and the reward to break that habit and or create a new habit replacing that cue craving response and reward with something else which is can can make it difficult yeah and we can put this in context of today like you drive to work every day you drive around this you drive on the same path on the same road and you stop at starbucks every day and every morning right. you get you get your uh your call you know this is interesting coffee. because your <laughs> coffee right my with my new york accent so <laughs> it's interesting because the coffee that now you got me thinking about the way I'm saying coffee. <laughs> it's interesting because the the coffee that people normally get at Starbucks, I'm like, it's not coffee. It's like sugary, whatever. But yes. that but that is also we also have to think about what the food is doing in terms of the reward, pleasure and reward center. Right. So yes, like exactly. food, there's a reason why we have drive towards food, mm -hmm. obviously for survival. And there's a reason why there's certain foods that we have a drive for and we have habits created around these certain foods. Mm -hmm. And I think so, Nicole, offline, we talked about this, uh, David Kessler in and there have been a few books that have talked about this, but I think David yeah. Kessler was the first book that I read when he wrote uh, The End of Overeating. And he talked about sugar, salt and fat. And it's interesting because I've heard people on social media kind of allude to this when people say sugar is addicting. And it's like, well, sugar is not addicting. It's foods that are hyper palatable that are addicting. And those are foods that are high in sugar, salt and fat. Right. So if we look at it again, back from a paleolithic standpoint, sodium electrolytes, mm -hmm. fat calories, mm -hmm. sugar, carbs. Right. So yeah. if you have those three together, that seems to really hit that pleasure and reward center. And right. then you start creating habits around those certain foods. And that yeah. is survival because it's the, those foods are always calorie dense and that's your body saying, or your brain saying, well, we just hit the jackpot and yeah. we need to reinforce <laughs> eating more of this. Right. And this is where we get into habits around specific types of food. Right. And while the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I talked about the coffee and <laughs> The 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 coffee is like when you go to Starbucks, you stop there, you get your well, caramel macchiato or a white chocolate mocha or whatever you get mm -hmm. your, your pumpkin spice latte. Right. Mm -hmm. And you get those things and you're you're creating a habit loop of every time you drive to work, you stop at at that Starbucks. And, you know, so the cue is you're driving, you pass by the Starbucks, you stop at it, 
it's almost like the queue is not even the Starbucks anymore. The queue is like you leaving the house, right? You wake exactly. up and going to work and now becomes the queue after mm-hmm. a period of time. So yeah. you you drive to work, you stop at that Starbucks, you pick up your reward, you drink it, you're all good. You, you move about your day. But we've got to think about our entire day is basically a series of these things happening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the behavior is insignificant in any of those stages, then it won't become if those behaviors and then it won't become a habit. Once you remove the pleasure or the desire or the reward, then it takes the kind of the fun out of driving to Starbucks or leaving the house for that matter. So things change pretty quickly. Well, so now we have to talk about this because we have to talk about how to change bad habits and how to create good habits, right? Mm-hmm. So in order to create a new good habit, in terms of the cue for a good habit, we have to make it obvious. Nicole, can we give like an example of like making a good habit obvious? Of, do you want to do a nutrition habit or a workout habit? Yeah, we'll stay along the lines of, I, well, either one, whatever you want to choose. Well, a new, okay. An obvious nutrition habit would be to have groceries in your refrigerator. So they are there that you actually can make breakfast. That's one that I would make kind of broad. That's a little broad. Second would be, oh, go ahead. Or I think if I broke it down even, even easier, we've talked about this, taking a multivitamin every day, leaving it on the counter. Yeah, there you go. Right. It's obvious. It's there. It's simple. Right. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. it's on the count. It's it's next to my toothbrush and I brush my teeth every day. And this is what Mm -hmm. we talk about with habit stacking. Mm -hmm. You already have the habit of brushing your teeth. And this is the other thing is like we we don't view brushing your teeth as a habit, but like it's something that you literally just wake up. It's the first thing you do when you wake up. Yeah. If you don't brush your teeth and that's not the first thing you do when you wake up, then (laughs) you need to reassess. You need to reassess (laughs) your habits. But, but think about brushing your teeth. The cue is that you want to feel that your teeth are clean, <laughs> right? I mean, that's initially it's it's um what do you call it from a hygienic standpoint? You you want to be clean, so that's the cue to do it. That first initial thought or cue is something that has to initially be there. So if the vitamins are there and you see them, you'll do it. If there's food in the refrigerator you have options and you'll make breakfast. So it that goes back to kind of planning ahead and making sure those things are there. Right. So that first step to creating a good habit is you have to make it obvious. Um, yeah. And I think from a food standpoint with the next thing is the next thing is with the craving is we need to make it attractive so that we can actually crave it. Right. So with the, the food analogy, the attractive piece is or the unattractive piece is kind of like you, you didn't cook something good, right? Like you, if, if you're just right, something you actually do, right. It, try new recipes, things that we talk about this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got to be you got to make it easy. You have to make it easily attainable, easy to do. Right. It can't be this exhausting. And I think oftentimes with meal prep, people think like it's, it's got to yeah, be this, like you can pick up pre-cooked chicken. You yep. can pick up a frozen bag of vegetables. And yep. then, you know, it's pre-seasoned. That tastes good. Mm-hmm. You can even pick up. I picked up uh, a couple of weeks ago, like fingerling, fingerling potatoes that were like sta- had yeah. like steak seasoning on them and they were frozen and you just microwave them. And that made it easy for me because I didn't have time to cook that day. Yeah. Um, and it has to be satisfying. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. You know, we talk about we talk about cookie cutter meal plans where you see that 
someone gets a meal plan. This is why we don't use them so that they get they have to eat three meals a day. They're told exactly what to eat, what to eat. You're going to have egg whites and broccoli for breakfast. What if that's not appealing to you? What if that doesn't create satisfying? You don't feel satisfied eating that. You can do that temporarily, right? You can kind of white knuckle and go, all right, I'll try this. I'll eat it. But after a while, You're in not order for that habit. to be a habit, you aren't going to eat that if it's not appealing, if there's no desire, and if it doesn't satisfy you. Those are three big rocks when it comes to creating your own individual nutrition program plan lifestyle. So that's a big piece of why we always talk about meal plans don't work long term. That's a perfect example right there. Yeah. And then on the side of bad habits, and I've, I'm big on this and there are some, there's just that kind of school of thought with uh, intuitive eating where I kind of disagree with that there because it's my stance is make it invisible, right? So the first piece to breaking a bad habit is going to be with that cue, make that cue invisible. So David Kessler talks about this in his book too. He talks about maybe drive a different way. Don't pass the McDonald's every day because then you're going to like drive a different way to work. Uh, don't have cookies in the house. This is what I say all the time. This is what I yeah. like. If I have cookies in the house, I'm eating all the cookies. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I want to break the habit of reaching in the cupboard for the cookies because I have easy access to them, well, I'm just not going to have them there. And this is where kind of that thought process with the intuitive eating piece comes in where they talk about, well, you should be able to have all these foods in the house. And I kind of say, well, no, not until you've developed the proper habits. Mm -hmm. So make it unattractive mm -hmm. for the craving piece. Maybe buy cookies that you don't like so that other people in the house can enjoy cookies, but you don't eat those cookies. Yeah. Or just, I mean, don't, just don't keep them in that. Don't keep cookies <laughs> in the house. I mean, it's a way to make it unattractive. Yeah. I mean, listen, I look at that from an exercise piece too, right? Like if mm -hmm. it's, it's unattractive for me to not work out for several reasons. Right. And Nicole, you and I have talked about this where, uh, I, I had a conversation with somebody the other day about like, she was an old client of mine and she's a grad student and I, and she's also a friend of mine and I, she, and I'm a grad student and working full-time now. And she's like, see their own. It's so hard to work mm -hmm. out and have, go to grads and go to school and focus on your nutrition and focus on, you know, all these things. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm grateful that I've built the habits with my fitness and nutrition for several mm -hmm. years. So I, I would say that it's easier for me, but at the same time, it's unattractive for me not to do those things because yeah. if I didn't work out, I know the cognitive benefits of exercise. When I skip workouts, my brain is less efficient. So I'm not going to do as well in grad school and I'm not going to do as well with my work. So in looking at that, it's, you know, I just say it's unattractive for me not to do it. And then in terms of breaking a bad habit, you need to make the bad habit difficult. Yeah. Well, to your point, if you don't have cookies in the house and you have to go drive to get them at the grocery store, that would make it a difficult a difficult thing to, to do. But if, you know, you get in the car and you go, then maybe you can have the cookies. <laughs> yeah. And this is what I say all the time is don't have them in your house. And then if you really want them, then yeah, you'll go out go and get, get them. them. And then at that point, okay, go ahead. You just, you know, went out and went out all the way out of your way to get them. Obviously you clearly yeah. wanted them, but you're more, you're less likely to do that. Yeah. And then make it unsatisfying. And Nicole, I had a story and I think you had a story with yeah. 
Oh, the Sex in the City thing. Yeah. Which was similar to my buddy, but you can start with the Sex in the City piece. (laughs) Okay. Well, for any females that have watched Sex in the City, there's an episode with Miranda and she buys a chocolate cake. She's eating pieces of the chocolate cake and she can't stop eating them. Um, And so at one point she takes the cake and throws it in the trash so that she doesn't eat it anymore. And as she starts to walk out of the room, she reaches into the trash and takes a piece of the cake and is still eating it. So she goes over to the sink and I think she gets like dish soap and she pours the dish soap over the cake in the trash and then covers it and then calls her friend Carrie to check her into the Betty Crocker clinic because she can't stop eating the cake. Great. Great scene. Now, Nicole, it's interesting you say that because that's a real life thing, right? Because the I I had a buddy when we were bodybuilding and mm-hmm. I, I think anybody who's competed has probably experienced this. I can't speak for everybody, but I think most people do this thing. And I'll tell you, for me, it was at the time peanut butter. So when I would compete, what I would do is I would eat in my calorie deficit leading up to the show. And you get up to like that four week out mark and it's like really tough and Mm -hmm. you start craving things. So when I crave things, what I would do is I would take a teaspoon and I would dip it in the peanut butter, like Mm -hmm. just a quarter of it, maybe even less to taste, just to taste. And what I would do is throughout the day, I would do that a few times and it may be added up to like a whole teaspoon throughout the entire day. Yeah. And sometimes you get to a point where you're like, now keep in mind, this is extreme. This is bodybuilding. It's not like your day to day every day, right? You're, you're craving and you just, you can't stop yourself. So I had a buddy who his thing wasn't peanut butter. His thing was Cheerios. So every once in a while, he'd go to the kitchen, he'd grab a Cheerio, put it in his mouth. He'd walk out of the kitchen. He'd come back to the just one. He'd yeah, he'd come back to the kitchen. He'd grab. I mean, we that were tight horrible. four weeks out, right? Yeah, I know. He'd, he'd come back to the kitchen, grab a Cheerio, put it in his mouth, walk out the kitchen. And one I day he just going. couldn't stop <laughs> eating the Cheerios. So he he pours the Cheerios in the garbage. And like Miranda then he goes back to the garbage <laughs> and dips and eats the Cheerios. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, fuck it. And then he pees in the garbage on the Cheerios because then he's definitely not eating them. Please tell me he did not eat. He did not eat (laughs) a bowl of Cheerios with a pee on them. Glass of pee. That's but that's horrible. See, this is why this is why habit change is so important, because when you get to a point where you are eating food out of the trash, out of obsessive behavior, or unable to control yourself around food, we, we definitely are, are hitting some, some food issues. That's a bigger problem. Yeah. So, I, Nicole, I think the whole point of this is we really want to just understand w- why we have habits, where they come from, and then how to manage these things. And I think in terms of changing habits, the reason why we're calling this episode Small Habits, Big Results is because you really just want to focus on that. You want to focus on small, tiny, little habits. I want to emphasize that because oftentimes I'll have somebody that comes to me, a new client that'll say, all right, just give lay it all on me. Zero to 60. Give me everything. I want mm-hmm. to focus. You know, if I say I want to focus 
or what do you want to focus on first? Let's say I want to hit me with it. How many calories do I need to eat? How much protein do I need to eat? How many grams of carbs? How many grams of fat? How much cardio? How many days a week should I be working out? And it's somebody who's come from nothing to Mm -hmm. trying that. It never works that way. It can just be overwhelming. You need to build tiny habits and make small changes over a long period of time if you're looking for long-term success, right? Mm -hmm. And I think even people who are looking for short-term success, like in the bodybuilding world, what people don't understand is like, they just think that bodybuilders just go and they're like, cool, like three months of prep. And they just, oh yeah, that's they it. Jump into that. Not realizing no. that there's a like, prep, I, a prep. I trained for five years and developed the habits that I needed to, before I could even step on stage. Yeah. Right. And also not to mention the amount of muscle that you have to build and mm-hmm. the, the, the strength and the form on my work exercise, like everything. So but that you can't be here. But hold on. That goes into normal everyday life. Like you're talking about it from an extreme with bodybuilding. We're talking about it from just even a general population person that wants to get healthy and lower their cholesterol or someone that wants to lose 20 pounds. It doesn't matter is basically what this means. The small habits in any phase of that type of training or change. This is how it has to be done. And the one thing I did also want to bring up, too, is if you think of that that four tier habit loop, there's the first two, the cue and the craving is the problem piece, right? So if you analyze your cues and your cravings, you can figure out where you want to create change or what which one of those may need to change. That's when you actually get to see what needs to change in terms of the habit. The second part of that is the solution piece, which is the um, the response and the reward. So your response is your action and the reward is the actual result. So if you can really break that down when we're talking from a coaching standpoint of what is the problems, what cues and cravings do you need to really work on? To your point, Ron, when people come to us, that initial, you know, give it to me, tell me everything I need. If you really break it down to the cues and the cravings first, you can figure out which ones actually need to be tweaked. And then it ultimately gives us what our recommendations then will be for, you know, the solving the problems in terms of the response and the reward, the action and the result. So analyzing your tiny habits and figuring out what actually needs to change is where we as coaches then can prescribe the actual tasks that you need to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to get there. Yeah. And when we talk about tasks that you need and we kind of like you're saying, Nicole, is when we prescribe these tasks, we'll give you a task that has other tasks within them. Mm hmm. Right. So, Nicole, we've talked about this where it's if I tell you that you need to eat more protein, right? That's usually a starting point with clients is, yeah, hey, we got to ramp up your protein because you're not eating anywhere near where we want you to eat to increase lean muscle mass, increase your resting metabolic rate, uh, Mm -hmm. maintain your muscle mass, keep you satiated, all these things. Right. And if I say, hey, I want you to ramp up your protein, it's not just about that. You have to think about the small changes that you need to do within that one goal that I'm giving you to accomplish. If I tell you you need to eat more protein, well, now you need to start being conscious and aware about shopping for protein. 
Right. And you also have to be prepping your protein, whether it be ahead of time or the day of. Some people prefer eating it fresh. Some people will do it for a few days at a time, uh, not for too many days. Like we talked about, it still kind of has to be attractive. If that Tupperware is sitting in the fridge for too many days, that's not going to be attractive to you. So it's not really going to reinforce a good habit and your gym, right? So like the gym habits too, if you are not prepared in the morning, let's say you decide I want to work out in the morning. Mm -hmm. Well, did you pack your clothes the night before? Did you make sure that you prepped a meal if you need to eat, if you're somebody that needs to eat before the gym? Maybe you don't need to eat before the gym, but maybe you need to have something right after the gym. Did you have something for right after the gym? Right. Because any one of those things can become an excuse as to why you didn't do. Well, here's where I also love visual cues or visual um, tasks. I mean, I think I've talked about this before. I can't remember if we've talked about it on the podcast, but at the beginning of January every year when I have clients that set new goals or even if it's a certain phase of training, I will have them pick a color, a word, and then that it, that is attached to their goals. And we talk about visual cues being really powerful and reminders of that initial cue for whatever habit you're trying to either change from bad to good or create. And so the color is something that I, I'll have them buy sneakers of that color, um, a watch of that color, a sports bra, a water bottle, headphones, so that visually when they see the color that creates a trigger for the new cue for them to go, okay, this is the color of the Tupperware that I'm going to use for my 12 week build program or whatever might be going on. It helps to remind them because it's really hard with the cues to really be able to change those unless you have something that visually stimulates or resets that trigger. So I love a color and a word and the word is something I'll have them put a sticky note on their laptop, on their car window, on their gym bag, on their computer, on the refrigerator door, different ways for them to visually get stimulated for that new cue or that new, you know, new habit loop that they're trying to, to create. It works incredible. I've been doing it for years myself. I had a ballet teacher that made us write our goals on the bottom of our, our ballet slippers. I write them on the soles of my sneakers, which is another reminder that every time you put your sneakers on, you see, you know, an example would be the number 10 for 10 pushups that you're trying to get or 10 pull-ups. That visual cue stimulates that mental cue for you to continue to push through and create these changes. I absolutely love this as a way to create new habits. And it's visually in front of you all the time. Put it everywhere that you're going to be so that you have something to remind you of what's going on. Cause it's, if you don't have something to remind you, it's easy to default to the negative. Yeah. And I think Nicole, this is also where habit trackers kind of come in. Well, I was going to, my next thing was not only habit trackers for food, but also when it comes to performance in the gym, I love fitness trackers in terms of, we talked about this before, um, whether it be a fitness, like a gym notebook of your, you know, PRs, or if you use an app like the right nutrition app where you can put your, your PRs in for each, and then you look back at it and that's a visual cue to continue to go keep going to hit the next PR. Absolutely. I love all of those types of things. Side note, speaking of eat right nutrition app is live for mm -hmm. programming. If you are looking for an exercise program that is a progressive program that changes monthly 
shoot me a DM at Eat Right Nutrition and we will talk details on pricing and programming and what your needs are and what you'll get included in your programming. Yeah, so exciting. But moving along, so habit trackers, right? And mm-hmm. habit trackers are something visually that I always say, okay, well, let's put a Monday through Friday on it and we'll put different habits and we'll put small habits, right? And this is what we're talking about here. We're talking about small habits. Like you want to start with your habits from the easiest, lowest barrier to entry. You want to say, okay, well, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being I'm more likely, the most likely to be able to comply with this habit that I'm giving myself on a scale of one to 10, where do I fall? And if you fall a seven or above, then that those are the places that you want to start. If you fall below that, then choose things that you're you're going to be a seven or above, right? So your habits could be taking a multivitamin every day, having mm-hmm. a serving of vegetables every day. You don't have to start with every meal. I'm going to eat vegetables, even though that's ultimately where we want you. We want to ramp you up. We also want to ramp you up because sometimes if you don't eat a ton of veggies and then you go into eating a ton of fiber, that yeah. may <laughs> upset your GI system. But that's a separate conversation altogether. You want to choose have things that are low, super low barrier to entry. Yeah. You know, what's funny, too, is a lot of the stuff that I used with my young kids in the dance world in terms of like their performance, like if they got a double pirouette, they would get, um, you know, a, a certain color X on their habit tracker or it was actually like a performance tracker and they would get like a star or a color. I know it sounds really silly, but kids absolutely love that when they get stuff like that adults aren't that different when you can reward yourself for something that you do and visually see change. So for some of my clients that, you know, have stuff on the refrigerator, like if they put their habit tracker on their refrigerator, I'll tell them to like check it off in a certain color marker that they love, or if that goes with the color and word that they picked, then you look at the month overall. And for every day that you completed your workouts or every day you hit a PR, you have a pink circle on the calendar. It visually stimulates, wow, I really did a great job and I was really consistent. So I'm going to keep going. Another one that I've been using is for every meal that you have protein, you can, whether it be, you know, put colored marbles in a jar or hang something colorful up on your computer or get a sticky note and write it down. And then the more you accumulate, you know, I've had people sending me pictures of their marble jars filled with red marbles because they've eaten protein at every single meal. It sounds silly, but it it really works. But here's the thing, too, is like, you know, we don't even have to start with eating protein every single meal. Like we could just say, hey, I want you to have 30 grams of protein for breakfast every single day. Yeah, whatever the goal is. And then you build gradually on that. And this is what we mean by Mm -hmm. small habits, big results, because ultimately what's going to happen is you're going to stack habits and stack habits and you're going to layer them over each other. And it's going to be something big and grand. Listen, I I'm going to I'm going to put it to you like this, Nicole, because I (laughs) thanks to you, I started reading the Will Smith book. Oh, so good. Well, I started listening to the audio book and I did two hours today and he talked about and this is what I like about him. Yeah. So he so talks good. about that brick wall. Yep. That his father made him made him uh, him and his brother. Right. They had to like yeah. put the bricks in. And when he looked at how much, 
needed to be done. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to go into my like, I'm going to die and this wall is not going to be finished. Yeah. And then when he just started focusing brick by brick, mm-hmm. it's an awesome analogy, right? It's like that's what his father said. Don't focus on building the wall. Focus on putting one brick on at a time. And it's focus on putting one brick at a time. Perfectly symmetrical, mm-hmm. with yeah. the, you know, so with the right amount of cement, like all that stuff. Right. So mm-hmm. you just need to focus. We need to take a step back. We need to focus on the micro and what, okay, what do I need to do right now? What is my task right now? And I say this all the time because I found this with myself too, even with eat right nutrition. When I think of all the things that I want to build for eat right nutrition, it's debilitating. I'm never going to get it done. If I'm constantly thinking about the big picture and the big vision, just like if you're thinking about your dream body or your goal weight Mm -hmm. or how much muscle you want to have or your dream job, right? Just focus on the task at hand That's right in front of you. What do I need to do today? And then ultimately what you'll do is day by day, you'll do things and you'll get 1% better every single day. And then you'll look back in a year and you'll see how much you've accomplished. And you're like, man, if I've accomplished that much in one year, Mm -hmm. how much can I accomplish in another year? Right. And not and then, get stuck on the and chaos. Then you keep building from there. It's overwhelming to think about the big picture and all the things that you have to do. So you really have to start with small habits and those big results are going to come down the road. Yeah. I think the, the another thing too with that is we have small goals that fall in line until we get to the big habit. Like if you think from January to December, you want to lose 10 pounds for the year. And I'll just, that's just an example from January, February, and March, if you lose a couple of pounds, but you think that's not enough and you get stuck in that negative loop, then you are never going to get any further than those few pounds. But if you think I got a few pounds off and then get to the next thing, by the time the end of the year comes, the walls built, the pounds are off, and then you can pick another goal. That's the other thing that's really empowering about it is that the faster you, you focus on those tiny habits, the faster you actually get to the goal and then you can create a new goal and start the process over again. But too many people get stuck in that loop, that negative loop um, and, you know, get off track and the chaos pulls them away and then they can't get out of their own way. Speaking about chaos, Nicole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was the next thing. I think that's the, the where I want to kind of yes. leave off with chaos, which we talked about a little bit earlier if we can wake up in the morning and like wake up on time, not have any interruptions in our day, right. Then our goals are just about starting or our habits are just about, okay, well, we just need to start and it's easy, right? If everything goes as planned, it's easier, but chaos are all the things that we think in our mind should never get in the way or shouldn't happen. or We don't think are going to happen. And then when it happens, we're, you know, Well, so that's when chaos chaos happens, that's when excuses come. Right. So when chaos happens, it's, well, I was going to go to the gym, but I didn't wake up on time or I was going to go to the gym, but I didn't pack my gym clothes. I was going to go to the gym, but I really just wanted to sleep in late. I mean, we could list a million excuses of why you didn't go to the gym. Right. And the fact is, you just didn't you go, just to, the didn't go gym. to the gym. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Doesn't really matter why you didn't go. So what's the sec? What's plan B? So if you didn't go, OK, fine. Then what? 
when it comes to chaos, like life is always going to be chaos. It's always going to throw you for a loop. And what I always say is like the, I didn't go to the gym because I didn't have time or I didn't, you know, prep my food because I didn't have time. Like to me, it's never a time issue. It's always a priority issue. And it's what are you prioritizing and Mm -hmm. how are you prioritizing? So, okay. But so when you're talking about planning, let's say we're talking about uh, uh, sticking to a structured schedule, right? Or we're Mm -hmm. talking about uh, time management, right? You're not prioritizing the time, right? So it's not a time thing. It's a time prioritization thing. Mm -hmm. So what you need to do is just set aside the time for the habits that you want to change. And this is why it's important too. like like we were talking about before, Nicole, is if you set aside something that's not so time consuming, right? If you say, I'm going to eat more protein, uh, for breakfast instead of the entire day, you only yes. have to focus on one meal and you only need to set aside the time for one meal. And that doesn't seem too overwhelming. But when chaos happens and, and when when life throws a wrench in there, you kind of have to have a plan B. Right. So it, perfect example. If I didn't wake up on time and I know that I had to have 30 grams of protein for breakfast. Well, what am I going to do? OK, well, how about let's build a habit around stopping at the 7-Eleven to pick up a ready to drink protein or uh, a quick protein bar that's, listen, it's not going to be optimal. You're not going to want to do that every day, but at least you have a plan B that's getting you in the habit of still fulfilling that commitment to yourself of, I'm going to have 30 grams of protein with breakfast every single day. So, and and then that's still a win for you, right? Right. It's one step closer. Exactly. And you're still like, Hey, you know what? It might not have been optimal and I didn't wake up every day on time, but th- like every single day this week, I had 30 grams of protein with breakfast. No matter what came my way, I still did it. Right. Because let's be honest, it's not going to happen. The change isn't going to happen. Those big results that we're talking about won't happen if you don't do something. So when we talk about the small habit changes, at least it's headed in the right direction. If you're getting 15 grams of protein and then you work your way up to 30, at least you're taking steps closer towards getting to the 30, where to your point, when chaos happens, a lot of people just go, forget it. I didn't get 30, so I'm not going to get any. And you don't want to really throw that out the window because you're giving into that habit loop of ignoring the the cue that is going to help you get closer to the next habit that you need to change or creating the new habit. And that takes practice. You have to just start small with little habits that are achievable and then continue to build on that. Yeah. And you get good at it and you get better at it. You get more empowered by it and then you can make bigger changes and create, you know, layers to those habits. Ultimately, what we're trying to get across to everybody today is that you have to do something, you have to stick to it and you have to really make it a priority if you want the results, like the bottom line is you have to take action and your brain is going to constantly try and pull you away from creating something new or doing something different. And you have to just be aware of that happening and really try and kind of redirect that chemistry in your brain to create different ways of thinking. And it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a challenge, but that's we're here to help you get a coach, you get support with people around you and you can make it happen. 
And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that was another fabulous episode of the Right Nutrition Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week.